All right. Well, fellas, we're all here. So welcome, I guess, to the inaugural Red Team Xanax podcast. Yeah, round of yeah. applause. Round of applause. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a long time coming. I know Sean's been asking about a pod for the longest. And obviously up to you until, until we start talking, he's like, let's do video shit. So Sean is all about putting his ugly mug on the internet. I don't know why. I like the voice thing. Let's just talk about it. Uh, I'm not that pretty, but it is what it is. So you got me, Rod, a um, little bit about me. I guess a uh, grew up a Redskins fan uh, from Connecticut originally. My father's high school colors were burgundy and gold from Georgia. Uh, so anyways, I grew up liking the skins. Uh, my first Redskins memory is uh, Doug Williams, you know, fucking second quarter explosion. Um, that really cemented my love for the Redskins. Started the Redskins Addicts probably, I want to say, August 2015. Uh, there's a lot of infighting with the organization, fan base, whatever. Every Redskins page that you were with, uh, folks were talking about RG3, Kirk Cousins, RG3, Kirk Cousins, pretty much constantly. So started addicts to show that hey we're addicted to the redskins it's not necessarily a single player people still talk shit about rg3 to this day it is what it is um but that's a little bit about me i'll pass the mic to sean uh yep sean been a redskins fan pretty much the same reason watch the doug williams rip it up against denver in the super bowl my uncle was also a chief master sergeant in the air force and as a kid i used to stay with him in the summer times when they played in rfk so that's uh, as long as I've been a fan. But I did want a podcast. Uh, thought we always had pretty good ideas and talks in the admin chat, but why not share them with everybody else? Yeah, hear that, man. All right, Big Steve, what's up? Yo, yo. Hey, uh, Steve. Been a Redskins. I'm 39, about to be 40 here at the end of the year. I was, I was born Ooh. into it. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know anything. Yeah, thank you. I don't know anything else. Uh, Born and raised in Northern Virginia area, Alexandria, <clears throat> and um, went into the army. Moved away. Went all around the world. Still, still staying, holding true to be a Redskins fan. Um, my wife's a Redskins fan. Raising my kids as Redskins fans. Uh, my older brother defected when he was about twelve to the Eagles. Eagles of Randall Cunningham. Ooh. Yeah, boo, 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 boo. But Randall, Randall was dealt that. You got it. You got it. Um, so yeah, here we are, and. Uh, yeah, I'll pass it over to uh, uh, pass it over to Phil. Have at it. All right. Well, um, lifelong Skins fan. Uh, I was actually born the Monday before the We Won Dallas game. Um, you know, born and raised. I was born in Washington Adventist Hospital too, so I got my DC bona fides. Um, my earliest memory is just like everyone else is uh, Super Bowl twenty two and. Doug Williams just blowing out the Broncos. And one of the first words I ever knew outside my mom and dad, that was Art Monk. Yeah. One, <laughs> syllable, yeah. one syllable each. Easy for a kid to know. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been a lifelong fan. You know, I've, I've had those moments of glory. I've had those moments where I've walked out of the stadium just screaming at the sky, like, you know, I think it was after that Pittsburgh game in 2016, the opener. My buddy had to call me down. I'd had a few beers in me, and I'm screaming for a plane at Andrews just to drop a bomb on a place and put me out of my misery. 
So, <laughs> AB twerking on us. That's that game, isn't it? I was in the end zone where he did that too. Yeah, I was. I was right up. So that's when I was. Uh, yeah, I was in section one twenty seven, and it, it pissed me off. <laughs> I vividly remember that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry uh, well, right. You were there with me. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, that, that's. That's kind of my connections, you know. Hell, I lived off Gunning Road in Northeast, just, you know, a few throws of a stone from RFK. You know, I lived there for a little while. So, yeah, I, I, it's, I don't know anything but being a Redskins fan. I hear that. I hear that. And last but not least, we got uh, L.E. What's up, What's up guys? Y'all? Can y'all hear me? Welcome, welcome. Yes, sir. Yeah, I you. just switched to the laptop because the phone wasn't working. So, yeah. um, I, mean, I grew up in a house with all women. I had a my mom and four sisters, so football was the big priority. So I didn't really get into the Redskins until I was probably eight or nine years old. You know, it's like I was aware of the Super Bowl, and that was cool to me. But by the time I was really into it, we were like battling with the Cardinals. You know what I'm saying? For like the bottom of the division, with like Herman Moore and Jake Plummer and that stuff like that. Where, Killing us, so. yeah, yeah. So, um, but I loved it because they were the local team that were always on TV. You know what I'm saying? And back then, of course, cable didn't have 700 channels. It was just kind of the, you know, you got what you got. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I go to work with my mom on Sundays, and we listen to the game on the radio on uh, what was B101.5 out here. Um, just play, you know, listen to the games and things like that. And that was kind of my attachment to sports. In a house full of women so it kind of gave me my first like man car just listening to stuff like that and I started playing football growing up and been into it ever since but I never liked anything but the Redskins with football and I still don't like any other team in the NFL but the Redskins so that's how I got into it all right what what position did you play man I played up? uh wide receiver safety cornerback um you know I did a little running back not too much um and then uh, a lot of kick returner, punt returner, stuff like that. So, okay, yeah, I was a little short fat <laughs> bastard. I mean, I'm I'm six four, I'm six four now. So I, I gained all my height in college, but I was a short, stumpy little dude. I played like offensive line, fullback, um, defensive line. That's it. I didn't really develop into some superstar body type player until yeah, recently. I had the skill, like I. Until recently, exactly. My Madden championships, I'm lit. I'm on it. I'm on it all day, baby. But it sucks because uh, I, I just – it's funny. You go home and people see you after, you know, 10, 20 years. And like, holy shit, Rod, you're big. Um, and in your yeah. mind, you're like, I could have been in the fucking NFL. But hell no, I'm, I was just never that good. Most of us weren't. Yeah. <laughs> all right, no, so well, that I – mean, I was five yeah, yeah. I was five. Yeah, I was okay. Yeah. So this introduction, everyone, that was pretty much ad lib. I threw every other podcaster under the bus with that. We didn't talk about that. We have our little list of agenda that we're supposed to go to, and of course, I ad libbed it with the very first thing. So, fellas, thank you. You 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 kind of flowed with it. Appreciate you for that for that. So with that said, I'll jump into. Steve gave us some awesome topics because I didn't prepare for this at all. I. Everyone's busy. Understand it. We're literally going through the admin chat, going back and forth, saying, "Hey, let's let's put some order to this and actually have some sort of, you know, function." So, 
Sean wanted to do the complete draft recap and position battles and everything. And we're talking shit about, hey, that's too early. We really don't want to do that. And we do, but we don't. So we just want to try to keep you all entertained. But a quick draft recap. I'm really just asking you guys, what are your likes and dislikes? And it's either through the draft, even the undrafted free agents. Like, What's your dark horse? Like, what's your biggest like? What do you dislike the most of who we drafted and even picked up on draft? So let's do a quick recap, though. So we know we got Chase Young with the second overall pick. Yep. We got um, running back slash wide receiver hybrid, however you want to call it, Antonio Gibson out of Memphis at 66. We got offensive tackle Sadiq Charles, LSU at 108. Then we got my man, Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty at round four, 142. And then we got offensive lineman Keith Ismail, San Diego State at 156 in the fifth. Uh, linebacker Kaliki Hudson out of Michigan, uh, uh, pick 162 around round five. And then we had uh, two round seven picks, a safety Cameron Curl out of Arkansas, 216. And then um, pick 229, we had defensive end James Smith-Williams out of NC State. So those are the picks. And uh, I'd be interested to see who y'all think is the uh, the dark horse out of that group and who y'all like the best. For me, it's – so with your picks, obviously, I, I think everyone's really interested in, in Gibson, that, that hybrid slash dude. Um, I think Ellie said it a couple of times in the admin chat that he – if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, man, that you kind of look at him as being like a Christian McCaffrey for mm-hmm. Rivera, um, having that kind of split hybrid frame. Um, his speed is off the charts. I think he ran a 4.39 in his 40. Um, I think he has like special teams return, you know, capabilities as well. For me personally, there's a little bit of hometown bias, but I'm looking at the undrafted free agent and the kid Isaiah Wright yeah. out of Temple. Um, I didn't know, I knew nothing about him, admittedly. I mean, uh, but my social media started blowing up as we start signing undrafted free agents. And a lot of folks from back home, Waterbury, Connecticut is where I'm from originally. And a lot of folks was, Hey man, we got Isaiah right. You know, he's going to be a red skin. And I'm like, who the hell is this dude? Um, and you look at his, when you look at his highlight tape, it's a highlight tape. So you have to consider and obviously understand that it's a highlight tape. So it's only going to show his best plays, his best attributes. Um, but he looks exciting, man. Like that that speed, speed is one thing that you cannot teach. Um, he looks really fast on tape. And I don't remember if his 40 time is actually super quick, but I think game speed and, and you know, tight speed is a, is a different thing. But for me, I'm looking at Isaiah Wright. I think that he is an undrafted free agent that can actually burst the bubble and make the roster. We're kind of looking at our draft overall. Um, one thing I did notice is that we did gain a lot of game speed at every position, you know, at all the skill positions and the positions where that's primarily important. You know, you, 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 there, was, there was no area where you drafted a guy and you're like, he, he probably doesn't have NFL speed, which that is mm-hmm. paramount because speed kills in this league. You know, with the fact that, you know, it's it's a quick passing league with all the RPOs and everything else. And, you know, that they've taken away a lot of, you know, the hitting for safety reasons. Well, now you got to look at speed. You got to keep up with guys. You know, you can't just level some dude off the line or something and take him out. So that's one of the things that I loved about this draft in general is that we got a lot of guys who 
if they can step up and start, we got speed. If they're going to be coming in off the bench as, as you know as backups or as situational players, they still got that talent, and it augments the, the the young talent that we have, especially on offense. The guy that I think is going to surprise everyone. It's kind of not a surprise for me to say this, but in a way it is, is Thaddeus Moss. I, uh-huh. Ellie yeah. and I have talked about this before. Both of us see a lot of Chris Cooley in this kid. You know, nothing about the measurables kind of blows you away. Nothing about the college game tape. You know, everybody says, oh, he's a blocking tight end. Kid didn't drop a ball in college when he was thrown to him. And he played on offense where he was a fourth choice. He wasn't going to get a lot of balls anyway. So uh-huh. I see a lot in what I've seen watching him, and I've seen watched a lot of LSU last year because they were the team to watch. Um, I think that he's going to blossom into that tight end. He's stout enough to block, so we don't have to convert somebody from wide receiver to H back or anything like that. Now it's Paul. <laughs> Man, I felt so bad when that guy <laughs> got injured. Now it's Paul was my guy, but. Uh, I like the. I, I I think Moss is going to be that stout tight end, that Cooley style. You know, a guy who's got above average blocking skills. You know, he's mm-hmm. going to have the hands, and he's fast enough that he's not going to break away, but he's not going to necessarily be smothered by a linebacker covering him. And I think that he'll be a good safety valve for Haskins over the middle. You know, somebody else besides Harmon to play that possession role. So I think I honestly yeah, think that he won't beat Logan Thomas to be a starting tight end. That's just me personally. Logan Thomas, the man is six six, like it's, I, and he can block too. Um, he's only in his what third year of being a tight end. I, I just think the ceiling's higher for Logan Thomas. I think as it stands right now, because he's still learning the position. I don't think we know how far he's going to go <clears throat> as he continues to climb and get experience. But I'm excited to see Logan Thomas play tight end for us um not to say i don't want um you know thaddeus son of randy right or yeah. cousin, cousin son i don't yeah. forget what it was son son yeah, they do well but i think logan That's thomas probably yeah. has the edge right now right now but who knows anything could happen in camp or um preseason yeah. if that even happens moth, moth is is raw you gotta remember cooley's first year he was splitting time with uh, you know, Robert Royal and Zeron Flemister. He didn't come on immediately either. Oh, not man. until at least the end of that, that season. Flemister. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so, talking about um, dropping free agents. I'm gonna say like Steven Montez. I think he's gonna be the most exciting guy in the preseason. I don't I don't think he'll make the team, but I think he'll be a guy that just everybody's like, Wow, this guy is pretty good. I mean, I don't know, are they gonna hold three quarterbacks? We we love. I'm smiling because we love quarterback Man, controversy. In I don't know if you'll make the team. That's a whole different conversation. Especially in preseason. That, that, yeah, that dude's highlight film is like stuff for Fletch. And if you ever have time to go look at a Stephen Montez YouTube highlight, it's like, man, who? This guy's the best player I've ever seen, man. He's like, but they can hold him on the practice squad, right? He's a rookie, so it shouldn't I mean, matter. Look, he if can, he, he gets on the preseason the field, if they have preseason, he gets out there. He's not going to make the practice squad. Somebody's going to pick him up, man. Yeah. Cole Brennan style. Yeah, Cole Brennan, what? <laughs> he was my preseason hero. I love that man. 
So, Sean, you already going to oh, say that man. your prediction for the Mason Brennan pro- preseason star award is going to go to Steven Montez? <laughs> Steven Montez. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I think my, my favorite rookie, I think, is going to surprise everybody is Kaliki Hudson. I think, I don't know if he's going to play strong safety or linebacker, but the, in subs, a linebacker at subs, he's like a four, 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 five guy, you know. So, I like him out of Michigan. He's gonna have to stand out with all the linebackers we got. All right, Ellie, Ellie, who's your uh who are you looking at as your uh your favorite draft pick? Man, let me say this. I, I think in general the draft felt more like a Scott McLuhan uh Mike Shanahan draft where it was like maybe not the conventional pick for where they were taken, but they fit the system with what you're trying to implement in DC. You know what I mean? Um with that said, I don't know, because I didn't necessarily love any one of the picks, you know, with respect to where they were taken. I guess I'll go Gandy Golden. I'm excited to see what he can do and, and what his role means for Kelvin Harmon, who I'm a big fan of. Um, to me, they have very, very, very similar games, similar speed, similar um, attributes. I think Harmon's probably a little bit more polished coming out of college and better competition. In college, but I want to see what he can do. Harmon's hands are awesome, man. I wish he was just a little faster, but his hands is, man, ridiculous, man. Yeah, I'm with you, Ellie. I'm Gandy Golden's. Yeah. If you're going to ask me who my favorite pick is, it, it is him. Um, you know, it's not the obvious Chase Young. That's that's obvious, right? Gandy Gold. I I don't know. I agree with you. I think right. he has probably outside of Chase Young, he just has the uh, potential to to be good. I mean, and I, it's not Jay Gruden here, right? So I don't know how many, if you guys have picked up on this, but my favorite thing with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner and Andy Reid, not Andy Reid, oh, excuse me, Bruce Darian said this at his opening press conference when he took over Arizona. My system is not, it's not my system. My system is my players. My system is my player's strengths. When was the last time we heard that in D.C.? Jay's like, no, this is my system. Either you fit in or you're gone. Yeah. Like, highway to the highway. Right. Like every opportunity they talk about our, our our system is the player's strengths. If a play and Scott Turner says this in his podcast, or excuse me, at the interview with all the uh, the locals of Kawisco, if if a if a player can't do something well, he's not going to do it. It's not we're going to let him get off the hook. Is we want to tailor our system to the player's strengths. So I think Ganey Golden probably has the opportunity. Now I don't know as much as about Scott Turner's offense, like. Prairie Phil knows about. I know it's called the Air Coriel. I know it's. I know. I remember North Turner's offense, which was you know very run heavy, play action pass. So I mean, I think Dwayne will thrive in that, especially with some playmakers at wide receiver. So I'm going with Gandy Gold. He's he's my he's my pick to do well. He's a playmaker. I'm excited. Well, not only that, but yeah, I was going to yeah, say. I'm, I'm sur- yeah, yeah. Remember, Gandy Golden came from Liberty, and he beat coronavirus. That man's bringing God to this team. <laughs> He's a legend this team. Uh, you know <laughs> oh man I'm, I'm surprised nobody said gibson and may, if you did i missed it but i think you know with respect to who might have the biggest impact immediately yeah. on offense it might be gibson you know what i'm saying because of the yeah. position versus yeah. it might be. yeah not gonna hit the door though she's like and yeah, we'll edit that out so he will probably have the most opportunity to make let me ask you this was there a pick when it happened that you yeah was there a pick that happened that you were like man i wish we didn't do that 
during the draft? Uh, Chase Young. I want to. You did not. What you did not. Oh. No. 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 For me, it no. was uh, Sadiq Charles. <laughs> at, at, I I didn't think we needed an alignment at 108 at round four. I mean, I think we could have went back to Donald Penn. I think we could have kept Trent. Or could have I mean, kept Trent. I, yeah, same thing. I, I just don't think we needed. No, I'm not right. He's a good. He 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 measured very well. So, but. I just don't think we needed him. Needed an offensive tackle right there, and and honestly, I don't think we needed a uh, uh, Gibson at 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 three at sixty six. I think we should have went with somebody else. Like we have yeah. lots of running backs. We picked up yeah. uh, Barber. We picked up um, shoot, who's the other guy we picked up? Um, another running back we picked up. Uh, yes, Mc- McKissick. Um, so McKissick. and he's a little scat back too. So I don't I don't think we needed Gibson. That's just me. Well, Gibson's not little. <laughs> And I think I think you're going to see Gibson. He won't run much. I don't think you're going to see him taking a lot of handoffs and pitches. He'll do that on occasion. You know, he'll run. They'll probably run a lot of jet sweep with him, things like that. And it gives him a bigger body, somebody who can break tackles uh, when when running those plays. But I I still think he's going to be more of a wide receiver than anything. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I like Charles. I think we took Charles after we had tr- just traded Trent, too. So I think the timing, maybe it was a, a let's kind of saturate the fears of the right. fan base uh, with losing their star offensive tackle. Let's get someone who had um, some pretty decent upside, but I think he had like some character issues at LSU, and that's led to his slide a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I, – I honestly, though, Steve, I look at his pick 108. Um, I think we got maybe a top 75 player if he wasn't uh, coming in some of those character commitment issues. So it is what it is. I'm not yeah. too torn on that. I pick. mean, the funny part but, is they have Gibson you know, we'll on the Redskins website, take it for what it's worth, listed as a running back. So – uh, I mean, and if you look at it, I think there's, I think yeah. I counted 14 wide receivers right now. This very second at 9:36 p.m. on Friday, 14 wide receivers yeah. on the roster. So, how um, I many do we keep though? I don't know. As long wow. as, as long as we don't keep like Trey Quinn, I'm good. <laughs> I think, I think that's where Harmon comes in, like is important because he can play slot or yeah outside. Um, I saw Isaiah Wright. I'm sure Cody Latimer is probably gone after all this. Yes, I don't think so, man. There's something to find out. So. Maybe, maybe he wasn't the problem there. Okay, good. You can't you, – with what happened with Cody Latimer, like if the Redskins were to cut him now, oh, yeah, that would be such a bad look. It's over. It's over. Yeah. yeah. Bad look. All right. We, you guys good with the uh, topic one? Yeah. We're ready to move on to good. topic two? Let's do it. All right, do 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 do. Fake music, fake music. All right, yeah, we don't got the soundboard or anything like that yet. Uh, we're still working at. But you know, topic two. Uh, obviously, we've all been affected by COVID nineteen. Um, whether we're teleworking, working different shifts at our job, um, that affected not only us as the fans, uh, but that affected the the sports leagues. Uh, obviously, we're talking about NFL, so it affected the Redskins. Um, the biggest thing with that, obviously, we have a new coach, new culture. We're trying to build up no physical person-to-person contact. So we've just been limited to the uh, the virtual minicamp. So we we had the draft the end of April. Uh, they had a rookie virtual minicamp, 8 to 10 May, and they had a voluntary they had a voluntary minicamp from 11 to 14 May. 
Earlier today, NFL announced that hey, we can report we can report to the uh, facilities coaches on the fifth of June. And the twenty the, the key point for that though is the twenty sixth of June is the end of all off season right. workout programs. You know, um, so I, I guess the question that I have for you guys: How do you think that kind of affects us moving forward without without Ron Rivera being able to implement his new culture? You know, within the building and meeting these players face to face. Um, how is that going to affect us moving forward uh, for this season? What's uh, what's your optimism? Can I for tell this you season? that I have an interesting take on this? I think that this is actually going to be potentially a really good thing, and I'll tell you why. There hasn't been any time for BS. Go ahead, go ahead, though. There, you know, it's one of those things where you mm-hmm. have to hit the ground running, and players are going to be so focused on on playing catch up that there's going to be that focus and it's pretty much, you got to buy in, you got to buy in immediately because you don't have time to make a decision and do otherwise. And also that also gives us the advantage of nobody knows what, what we're going to do outside of the organization. There isn't that time to get feedback. There's that time to, to hear reports out of the mini camps and everything else. It's pretty much you hit the ground running and you go and I think that's going to make it easy for Rivera. Now, Rivera already has an easy job in terms of getting people to buy in because people will buy into anything after Jay Group. So he's got right. – he, he, you know, people are going to buy in. Every player in the league that's ever played for Ron Rivera has come out and said, your life, it's, you, the greatest thing to your career is, is about to happen. That's going to give that kind of outside optimism for the yeah. players walking in. They're going to be ready to eat this stuff up. And since it's going to be a hit the ground running situation, I think that just makes it easier. And I think it's going to create that unity, that forward focus of, hey, we got an opportunity here. Great things are about to happen. Let's make it happen. And you're not going to have time to sit around and go, there's none of that second guessing. Yeah. You don't have time for the second guessing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's funny. You always hear, you always hear t- people talk about mental reps, mental reps. And you're like, hey, that's bullshit. Get on the field. That's the most important thing. But I kind of agree with you, Phil. I think that the mental reps, um, if, if they're able, I believe that they got the playbooks and they're kind of learning scheme from a remote location, you know, the, the rookies and the veterans. Correct. Um, I'm hoping that, yeah, like when they when they go in to install, of course you're going to have to do a physical install and tell people where they need to be on the field. That, that has to occur. But if these dudes truly just dug into that book, we can't go anywhere. They're just starting to open up restaurants and all the other bullshit around the country. If these dudes truly worked on getting fit and learning that playbook, like like you said, man, I think that it could actually be kind of a silver lining uh, for us moving forward. I think everyone's about to say something. So here's where I think it hurts. Every year you hear about players that get signed late or miss mini camps, and it impacts their uh, early contributions in the season early on. You know what I mean? Like week weeks one through four. We're we're going to be a team that is so heavily dependent on young players to produce. And these young players haven't gotten into an NFL and a professional uh, organization to teach them how to take care of themselves, right? To teach them how to prepare. That's a concern for me, you know, because they're basically going to be starting their rookie years um, still with a college mentality, if you will, right? Going into training camp. And then we don't know how many preseason games are going to have. Let's assume it's going to be at least two, but then, then week one is here, you know? And so, They've not had that luxury of being slowly uh, cultivated into a professional culture 
like a uh, like a rookie would in a normal season. So it's going to be a little bit of a rush job. I now that aside, none of that matters to me other than how it's impacting the quarterback, right, Dwayne Haskins. And it seems like he's doing everything in his power to put himself in a position to be successful this year. And as long as that happens, nothing else that happens this year matters to me. I can live with that. I mean, so so personally, I I don't I think it's it's so early, right? It's June. I mean, how many on according to the Redskins website, there really there really wasn't even that much scheduled up to where we are right now on on June fifth. So, I mean, I think they could have had access to their players, but it's still with all the CBA rules, they can only do so much. I think what is like three three meetings a week they're only authorized to have, even if the COVID thing wasn't happening. So I don't think it's affecting them that much, but I completely agree. I never thought about that, about the mental thing. This is forcing people to get more mentally ready um, because of lack of, you know, not being able to do anything else but focus on, on your craft and on your game. So, but remember, I, this isn't like unprecedented from, I, what year was it? Was it 2011, the last uh, NFL lockout? That went, I want to say, that went pretty far. Not in, like, I think they missed, was it all of camp or all of, uh, it, it, it butted up right up against the season. So, um, it went right up to camp. It yeah. was right at the beginning of camp. And yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Well, yeah. and we went five and eleven that year. So <laughs> it didn't affect the Redskins at all. Yeah, that was, <laughs> we uh, still that hit was our the, fucking status quo. Donovan McNabb year was that the? <laughs> no, that was that was that was the sexy Rexy year. I that think was it was. Yeah. Was it? Actually, oh, no, let me yeah, let me yeah, say yeah. this properly. Well, that was the John Beck year because I actually like. I, I was John at the Beck. game. I was at the game when, when Rex was starting, and then the crowd was saying, "We want Beck." We hell, I was saying it, you know, because, because it was so bad. It was so bad. Oh my, I don't want to. That was, that was a bad, a bad oh, time. Man. The worst part is that honestly, like, thought Rex was was going to be half decent, which. He looking back on it, he wasn't as bad, but I guess that's also because he was standing next to John Beck. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, nah, he was trash. <laughs> Funniest shit ever, though. I used to go online with Madden and play with John Beck, and I would just scream John Beck in the mic, and I would throw touchdowns with him to drive people. I had play. I had so much hope yeah, in John Beck, funny. dude. He was a BYU so- guy, like he had good tape in college, and then he went got drafted by the Dolphins. His spot starts. He was okay preseason. He was well, and then he just flopped. Yo, if if Mike Shanahan was not a fucking football coach, he would definitely be a used car salesman because he had me pumped about John Beck. <laughs> fucking pumped. <laughs> what do y'all think about the increased injury risk with the lessened offseason work? Right, like. You know, hopping right into training camp without being, you know, through some of the mini camp stuff like that to get your body right. Um, I think you typically see that a lot too with players that get signed late in the off season. I you think it think will be. I mean, but if, so it's going to be hard to say, right? The, we don't have like a control. We know that our staff has been historically terrible. Our training staff, we know that um, they fired who they fired Larry Hess, right? Even Larry Hess got the can after like I don't know eighty years in this organization. Um, so it's hard to say. I, I think under the last like four coaches, our training staff was just terrible. Uh, it, who knows, right? But theoretically, Larry, I agree. Larry has spent a lot of time on Snyder's yacht. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to be 
cautiously optimistic this year. Um, I don't know if I'd have to go and look at the Panthers. I'm not sure if Rivera brought his training staff or anything with him. Um, I don't know if it's, it's, it's so weird, man. Like thinking of injuries for the Redskins, it, it just, it seemed that was the go-to talking point for, you know, talking football with anyone. It's like, oh, the Redskins fucking suck. They're three and 10 right now. And you're like, oh, we're injured. And I'm not sure if that was always the reason for our abysmal seasons or I, I just do bad have, luck. I, I, I don't know. I do it's, have a, this is why I hope I'm not. Kind of I hope not. Well, I'm, I'm hoping. And let's, this is, this is with the idea that all the players are going to play have done this. But this COVID-19 shit left everybody's stuck at home what do you have to do you can go outside and run you can work we work out your home gym you know i figured that if these guys should be coming into fantastic shape because they haven't had anything else to do you know well but that's a showman that they're following the rules i mean these guys are out here quentin dunbar um buddha baker right uh Lattimore, which, uh, the dude from the giants that we signed like you're right yeah. as long as they're doing what they've yeah. been prescribed to do. But I think we've seen Darius Geis, right? <clears throat> He's been all over the yeah, place. We've also seen Geis working out with Haskins. We have. We have. But I, I'm just saying it's not something that's going to be intrinsically true just because COVID-19 is here and they're not supposed to be doing well, anything else. That's why I said, that's why I said everything I said was contingent you know on everybody, everybody doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. But I think that see, that the fact that Kareem is so publicly out there working on his body, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. If you're a player on the Redskins, and this is the guy who's supposed to be leading leading this team on the field, and you see your quarterback putting in that kind of work, you have to look at that and say, well, he's doing it. I have to do it. For sure. For sure. Yeah. He's, he's taking that leadership role. Um Maybe he took Ron Rivera's opening comments to heart. Who knows? You know, as far as the quarterback goes, working hard and improving himself. You know, every every position's open. You know, nothing's guaranteed. Um, I honestly like that for a year two quarterback. You know, like like we said earlier, got a, a lot of young players. That's the mentality that they need to have anyway. I don't think Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers goes into the offseason thinking their jobs up for grabs. I think that's unrealistic for any true professional organization to say that. Um, but in our instance, yeah, hell, hell, fucking compete, man. Let the best guy win. Yeah. Is uh, Sean, you out there, dog? No, nah, I think he's dropped. I don't see him anymore. Yeah. He dropped? Okay. All right. Uh, so I guess you're optimistic for the season. We may or may not have, have answered that. Uh, way too early, perhaps, record prediction. You guys want to do that do or no? Let's do it. Because we can correct <laughs> this later, right? <laughs> <laughs> Go back and edit yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, dude, I've I'm the fucking homer to the fullest. I'm always predicted twelve and four, eleven and five, thirteen and three. Um I'm actually going to go against the grain and say that we're gonna be probably fourteen and two this year. So no, I'm, I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Completely joking. Completely joking. Nah, dude, um it's so hard, man, because even looking at last year with the amount of dysfunction, Jake Rubin getting fired, fucking uh, interim head coach, all this other nonsense, we got blown out a couple times, but we were also in games. 
um, I think more often than not. And I'm not sure if you attribute that to just a young quarterback trying to, you know, get his feet wet in the league. Um, uh, a running game that, no offense to AD, but I mean, AD is an old back and he's still performing, but uh, you you really expect and wanted Geist to be that dude and then he goes down to another injury. For me, my optimism this year, um, I think if we could double our wins from last year, which is insane a lot, and get to six and 10, um, maybe seven and nine, I'd be fine with that. Um, I'm not expecting us to come out and compete uh, for an NFL or NFC East title or even an NFC title uh, way too early. I'd love it if it happens, but I, I think six and 10 is a realistic prediction for me this year. I'll still curse every week though. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll still fucking want them to win 14 games or more, but I think that's a realistic. Yeah, prediction. I agree. I'm, I'm six and 10 plus or minus, one. you know, obviously Five and eleven, seven and nine. You get that plus or minus one fudge factor, but they, I just don't think we've at least we've seen enough to to go any higher. I mean, our offensive line is still question marks. I think our secondary is still question marks, minus Collins and yep. um, you know now having Kendall Filler. But I'm not saying Josh Norman. The loss of Josh Norman was crazy, but I, I don't know who who the the solid cornerbacks are going to be if they put you know if Kendall's going to be on the outside or in the in the, in the slot. Like I think that the defense just raises too many questions for me, and then the offensive line too. So I I'm six and ten. I stamp it. That's I said seven to nine last year. Um, that's clearly too much drama to even assessment, but I'm going 6 10. All right. All right. Go ahead. I'm, I'm typing this down, too. <laughs> All right. Notes, well, ahead, again, after the, uh, after the cuts. I'm going to – I'm I look back in the history because, you know, you, you, you got to know your history and things. And this is not a one-year rebuild, obviously. And I remember back to – North Turner's second year where we had some bright spots. We had some players that were really good and we had a lot of unproven unknown, uh, you know, talent out there. And I think back to that second year, you know, the rebuild and we went six and 10 and, but we were in a lot of games too, that we lost. You know, that was a team that, you know, went six and ten, but some of those breaks went certain ways, it could have been as high as like eight and eight. So I'm gonna say six and ten. It's gonna be one of those things where we're gonna see a lot of positives. You know, we're gonna curse the negatives. I I'm a little more optimistic on the defense than Steve seems. I'm more my question is about the defensive secondary, especially the corner. The front seven I'm not questioning, but you know, unless you get to that quarterback in two seconds or less, that, that secondary is going to see some tests. Um, same with the offensive line, although I think Scott Turner is a little more flexible in terms of finding ways to disguise the deficiencies of the offensive line. Um, of course, you can't disguise more than Moses holding, but nonetheless – had to get my dig in, uh, but nonetheless, yeah, I, I'm I'm saying a, a positive six and ten. If we do anything more than seven wins, um, it that we're playing with house money. I'll take it. 
I'll take it. Six and ten, six and ten, six and ten. Ellie, let's see what you got. I'm going to give you guys some numbers here real quick, right? We got three points, eight points, five points, ten points, six points, right? Those were five of the last six game um, differentials, right, um, at the end of the season. Some we won, some we lost. The point I'm making here is when we got coaching that cared about the game of football, we were competitive in nearly every game that we played in, right? Like every Sunday, you knew the team was coming to the stadium. I think we underestimate that impact overall as we start to go into this next season. Joe uh, Jay Gruden didn't coach this team for four out of the five years he was here. He just showed up for work, right? And I, I don't know if you guys went to training camp, but I know me and some of my guys went out there and we were like, yo, this is what they do for training camp in the NFL, right? And then you guys were here when we saw some of the other teams come in and they made us look like a high school team in practice. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yep. So I, I don't I don't think we can discount the fact that We've made roster improvements in some areas, right? Um, we got rid of Trent, which was a drama factor, right? Not a, you know, he wasn't on the field for us. So, you know, we didn't really, you know, necessarily lose anything in that regard. But I think those factors matter. And we got a quarterback going into a second year with a coach that believes in him. Um, you know, we got Chase Young. I think we improved a lot. And I think we're going to see it in the record. I think some of those games that we maybe gave away, last year when we were just trying to hold it together, but we were still in the game are going to go our way this year. Um, I think Rivera will have us beating teams. We should beat too, which was always something under Jay Gruden that I didn't think we did. And if we did beat him, we didn't beat him by enough. You know what I'm saying? So my prediction is going to be nine and seven. Um, I know that's optimistic. It's it's optimistic. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't come to the unless you go spend your money. Right. But (laughs) I think we're going to be all right. You know, and again, this is really predicated on Haskins taking a big step forward on our offensive um, minds, knowing what they want to do on game day. Gruden was never consistent with running the ball, right? That killed me every year. No matter how many yards we got in the run game, he was going to go back to the pass, right? I couldn't stand that because we never could put teams away like that. You know what I'm saying? Three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. It's like, and then you hit one. He's like, oh, see, it made sense. No, it doesn't, you know? So I think as long as we have a system that works, we understand situational football, which Gruden lacked that. Um, I think we're going to be all right. Nine and seven is my prediction. I don't think the other teams in the NFC East are going to be what they think. I think the Giants are predicted to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I mean, as are we, but they suck. You know, the Cowboys got all kind of stuff going on with their quarterback. What is he, you know? Um, they're trash. The Eagles, yeah. we're gonna have a quarterback controversy out there, you know. So I, th- I think we got a chance, guys. I, I'll I really tell you do. this, though. So, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my bold long-term prediction. Nine and seven. And I said this with full confidence. It wasn't just shit talk. I have a friend of mine who's a die-hard Eagles fan, die-hard. And I told him, I said, y'all probably, you know, could win the division this year. At, maybe 10 and six and you'll lose in a wild card because that's what y'all do. I said, enjoy it because this will be the last year that it happens because in two years, I think the skins are going to be winning the division. Yo, nine. I'm with that. Yo, not so nine and nine and seven. So nine and seven and 10 and six has won in division and 18 and 19. Cowboys, 10 and six, mm-hmm. is nine and seven. So the question to Ellie went nine and seven. Does that, does that mean, are you saying the Redskins 
will potentially no, win the division. No, but they'll make the playoffs with it being that seventh team from the NFC. Uh, I'll say that. But no, I don't think they'll win the division. I think, you know, winning the division is about experience in the division. And we t- we still lose too many divisional games. We don't have that track record yet, you know. So we got to take care of business first. And we got a lot of young players that don't understand what that means coming out of college, right? Because you don't play the same teams more than once in a college season, you know what I'm saying, unless you get to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. That division is something different, right? Like every week you play a division game, something special could happen. So I think it's going to take a little while for them to get used to that. And I think – out of the seven losses that we get, I think we're going to have a, a good number of divisional losses in that. So, I typed that seventh place team in bold for you. That's, that's, a, that's bold. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I had no problem with it. I w- I'll be a smiling man. If we finish nine and seven and make the playoffs, have a, a meaningful game in January. I'm hey, if Kirk Cousins yeah. can finally get his it. first playoff win, anything's possible. All right. <laughs> that that fucking hurt. Next topic. Next topic. All right. So Steve, you, you spoke about this. Um I guess really Scott Turner, uh, new offensive coordinator, a new way of playing the game on the offensive side of the ball for the Redskins. I don't have much input or feedback on that. I know the feedback that you gave to us is like basically if you heard the interviews with the local beat reporters. I haven't. I'm now in Kansas. Um I know that most of you guys are over in Virginia, with the exception of Sean. He's in Kentucky. But what's what's your guys' intake, you know, input rather with, with Scott Turner? Um, what, what do you got to give? I mean, to, I didn't realize me, how anyone else listened to this podcast. I mean, I'm going through his resume right now. He has, of course, he's going up the, the token coaching ladder, right? You know, qualities con- control <laughs> coach. But it, I'll just spit off some of these positions. If you look at it, he's he's had some pretty impactful, you know, worked with impactful players. Um, you know, when he uh, he graduated from Nevada, UNLV in 2004, <clears throat> um, he spent his first, I guess, two seasons as an offensive assistant at uh, Pittsburgh as a receivers coach. And, and then, you know, fast forward to he made it to the Panthers in 2011 as a quality control coach. Fast forward a few more years. He was the wide receivers coach for Cle- for the Cleveland Browns when um, when Josh Gordon has had his best season. His only, I guess, I don't know how many good seasons he had, maybe one or two, but his best season. Fast forward to 2014. He was he was the uh, quarterbacks coach for um, Teddy Bridgewater and the Vikings, so and that's as a rookie. Um, he and, and Teddy Bridgewater had a pretty good rookie season. Although he came on late in the season, I think like week four or five. Then he moved on to um, working with Sam Bradford, still in the Vikings, and he that's when Bradford had the his, his highest. Um, uh, he set the NFL record for incompletion percentage, seventy-one point six percent. That's when Bradford had like one of his only years where he didn't get you know hurt. Um, and then you know he moved on to Carolina. Excuse me, working with uh, Cam and stuff. So I said it earlier. He, he even said it on this interviews. It, what they did was they took all the local beat reporters. It must have been a Zoom conference or whatever. I heard it on a podcast on uh, uh, Chris Taylor's podcast podcast but they had all the local beat reporters they were just firing off questions and he he was all about you know what are you doing with the players how are you handling the quarterbacks you know they're having virtual zoom meetings with the quarterbacks they're quizzing 
quizzing all the all the players, and it's all focused on Dwayne, 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 Dwayne. I didn't even hear Kyle Allen's name mentioned once. So I don't think we're going to have a quarterback, quarterback controversy unless something significant happens. Uh, but Dwayne's picking up everything. He's really what he kept harping on is he's really picking up all the progressions, which is good because I, you know, when he first started last year, Dwayne, you know, I don't think he was the progressions were just he was having a hard time processing. It's NFL speed. Yeah. He was, he was um, lost. With Scott Sadie, Dwayne's, he was, he's got he it. Lost. Of course, he needs the occasional yeah. slip. He doesn't get it, but, you know, he's got it. So, uh, Kyle Allen's name has not been mentioned once. I think Dwayne's the guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm excited. I'm intrigued. I don't know what it's really going to look like. <clears throat> uh, I didn't pay too much attention to, um, the, the Panthers offense last year. I mean, we played them one game, but I know that offense was, uh, Christian McCaffrey without Cam Newton. So it's, it's really hard to base what that offense was. So I don't know. Just my take. I, I did a little research into this. I watched some, some Panthers games from the past couple of years and I do see some of the shades uh, 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 of old Norv in terms of the, the, the passing games base. There's a lot of those air choreo concepts, which honestly, if you're a skins fan, you should kind of smile at that because that was Gibbs's entire passing offense. So there's a lot more emphasis on the downfield. There was a lot more, there's, you know, in, in terms of you have a downfield read, it's, Pretty conventional, which does make it easier for Dwayne probably to pick up. You got to remember, our passing offense last year still had, you know, even when Jay left, it still had a lot of Jay's fingerprints on it because that's what they had been using. And that, mm-hmm. look, we had Kirk Cousins here. We had RG3 yep. here. We had Alex Smith here. How come nobody seemed to pick up this offense easily? So I think that's more of an indictment on what. Dwayne was having to learn and struggle to learn, just like every quarterback before him has struggled to learn, as opposed to as opposed to Dwayne's inability point, to pick up man. the offense, pick up the progressions. <laughs> yeah. This is a bit more of a conventional offense in terms of the passing game. However, what Scott seems to be good at is adapting to the players they had. When he got Christian McCaffrey, he wasn't running the same offense. When Kyle Allen was running the offense, they didn't run the same plays and same offense that they ran with Cam. So they throw in some twists and wrinkles. It's a 21st century version of what North Turner was doing. If you don't remember or if you want a better example of what North Turner was running, go watch the Cowboys under Jimmy Johnson. That'll tell you all you need to know because it was the same offense. Um. Which, by the way, when once it got once it got fully installed here after a couple of years, and we had some talent, it was exciting. Y'all remember, if anybody remembers the '99 season, that was an exciting passing offense. You know, with of all people, Brad Johnson running it. Yeah, you know, I still say it's the best Brad, team we've had Brad Johnson, under Snyder, oh yeah. yep. but I'm the minority on that one. But anyway, um, that offense though was you know had multiple reads. And you, you you had your downfield, intermediate, and short on on every play, mm-hmm. you know, or almost every play. And I think that that is such a traditional – every quarterback learns that way to some extent. 
And I think that's an easy one for Dwayne to pick up. So for Dwayne to pick up the progressions, for him to do as well as he did under Jay Gruden's, you know, drunken maniac offense that he was running, um, I, I, I think I think that I mean, Dwayne picked up this offense a lot easier. It's using very traditional concepts, mm-hmm. but throws in all the wrinkles you need to keep defenses off balance in the NFL. I mean, let me let me give you the big thing. I think that this is what you're saying too. But the reason that um, you know those other guys and Dwayne didn't pick up the offense is because Jay Gruden's system is a traditional West Coast offense, and what that means is there's a tremendous amount of terminology in there, unnecessarily so, right? And it's hard to master that in a single year with all the verbiage that comes along with that. The thing that's that's different about Scott Turner's offense is it's a numbers-based offense. Yep. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to a word-based offense. And I think that's really going to help Dwayne. I think the other thing that you really hit it out of the park on is the, is the reads of the offense. Jay Gruden's offense went short to long. This offense is middle deep back to short. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? From a read perspective. And what that means is you better have an offensive line that can hold their blocks and you need blocking backs too to kind of help when necessary. Um, but I think the addition of the dynamic playmakers like the um, the Gibson pick in the third round um, adds another element that reduces the number of pass rushers that the defense can have, right? Because they have to respect him if he's coming out of the backfield. And it also creates matchups, which creates easy reads for your quarterback. Um, so I think it's going to function very well for Dwayne. The, I, I worry a little bit about the longevity of the offense because simple offenses in the NFL get figured out. You know what I'm saying? So Scott's going to have to get real creative from year to year to kind of switch some things up. Um, but I think just based on the direction and the draft and um, kind of some of the things we've been hearing about the offenses, it's all about creating matchups, right? They're talking about moving um, Terry McLaurin over to the other side so that he's on the um, tight end side. Um not so he's not by himself all the time and things like that to where they can run different route combinations to get him open more quickly. Um, and so I think it's going to be a really good thing. I think it's going to be fun to see which contributes to some of my optimism. Um, but yeah, Dwayne seems to, at least from what the coaches are saying, really have a good grasp on it. So that's always encouraging to me. Hey, do you guys know if, um, did they have any like dual tight end packages in Carolina? With Turner, or at least I know he was only the offensive coordinator for a couple games, like the second half of the season. But uh, that's one thing I've wanted. Like we've, we it for some reason, whenever fucking um, Jordan Reed was healthy, we never, never, never had like two players on the field at the same time with, with Gruden. <laughs> I. I I don't I don't think that's a big staple yeah. of what this offense is because it uses a lot of wide receivers on the field at the same time. It uses multiple backs on the field at the same time. So if you're going to do that, it's going to be tough to fit another tight end on the field with all that other personnel. Um, but I'm not saying it can't happen. And then I think the other thing is with this offense, once you start getting into the red zone, I think you start to see more – you might see that a little bit more, right? Because then I think it kind of – an offense with a deep read, you know, priority has to condense when you get in the red zone. And I think you become more of a running-based offense at that mm-hmm. point would be my assumption. So, And that would be 
fucking uh, great because our uh, our red zone offense sucked on the green. Pass, pass, run, and that was one thing that would just drive me insane. Or, and that's why I asked about fade route, if he fade has route. It. Yes, does, does he have that type of package? If anything, just to throw the teams off of, off balance each week. Um, you don't have to run two tight ends on your you know thirty five yard line trying to get past the fifty, but if you're in the red zone within the ten yard line, ten yard striking distance. I mean, go go heavy, and then you have the option to pass to those dudes, or have to draw, run, whatever. I'm a fan of running two tight ends. Do not run fucking halfback screens. Just because. You just got to have two tight ends. You can have run pass routes. Um, I like like that package anywhere. But um, one thing I was going to say is that the other thing I noticed is that Turner's offense, or at least the Carolina offense, but I did notice this when Turner was was coached too in a couple games that I watched. Um, is that they do like to set up the run? It's not like it's not like Gruden, which he kind of did this like token run establishment. They will try to make it happen, and it there is some fluidity from the run to the pass in terms of the you'll get some of those same looks. So I think that they will be able to strike a better balance in terms of not just plays called, but the effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and situation. I'm at situation to that too. I don't think Gruden did a good job of run situation because or, or management because he it would be first down, run the ball, right? And then you get behind the chains and then it's pass, 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 right? I think what Carolina did well was run out of passing downs and pass out of run downs and kind of mix it up throughout the game. Gruden was awful at that. It was, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to hand it off to AP or whomever, and if it's third and 13, I'm going to turn it Chris Thompson, who's going nowhere. Um, I, I just, you know, there, there was no run creativity in the Gruden offense. Uh, so I, th- I think that's going to be a major difference um, within this offense, which to me, and even though I hate on Geis a lot, I think it's why Geis is so important to this team, right, and why I think he's got to be there if he's healthy because – He's much more dynamic, if you will, than Adrian Peterson, right? AP, if he's on the field, you pretty much know what's happening, right? Guys kind of gives you the ability to mix yeah. that up, you know? Oh, sorry, guys. My, my wife had just stepped in on it. Your closing comment. Um, yeah, I think we're good. You guys done with the uh, Scott Turner topic? All right, yeah, yeah. So, I guess, I guess, the next thing we had on the uh agenda, uh, we'll try to quicken this out to, to end this. We're getting over an hour, but uh, most, exi- most exciting position battle and why. Uh, so I, I guess, um, we know that the defense is changing to a 4 3. Um, for me. I'm assuming that we're going to have uh, Allen and or Payne and Ioannidis uh, inside at the tackle positions. I guess the ends are the position battles. That I'm, I don't know if I'm really concerned about, but I guess really, do you do you think that we're going to have? So we got obviously we have Sweat, we have Young, we have Kerrigan that could play those edge positions. Um, but do you think that? Kerrigan may stay as a outside linebacker in the four three, 
and let sweat. I think you gotta go back to your first comment. Young put their hand. Th- in there's their gonna be a battle at forward. Defensive tackle. I mean, I'm pretty sure John Allen and Deron Payne win it, but there's only two defensive tackles. You got to remember. So you put Deron. But here's a good part, though. This is a great problem to have. Yeah. You got Matt Ioannidis replacing whoever gets tired first, and then give him a breather. Then bam, you're bringing back Deron Payne. Those, those offensive linemen in the, the middle interior, you know, the center, the two guards, man, they're going to get beat up by those three guys. So I don't know who's going to become the starter. But I imagine it will be Deron Payne and John Allen uh, for the first two on defensive tackle. Don't forget about. Oh yeah, that's right. Exactly. So that's probably the other spell guy too, right? He 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 filled in for the for the for the second guy coming off the 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 line. So it's a great problem. Depth is a great problem to have. We don't have that depth everywhere else, but maybe 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 that's not better. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Ooh. What about Caleb Brantley? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah no. <laughs> I'm looking at the roster on Redskins.com. Yeah, it's it's a good problem I don't, I don't to have. Think yeah, we moved to outside yeah, linebackers. Yeah, That's a natural position, right? Out of Purdue. Uh, he'll be, yeah, yeah. He'll he'll be in there. Yeah, he'll. It is. I mean, Purdue, I think look, yeah. he. It's tough because you you can't draft Chase Young and right. not play Chase Young, right? And Montez Sweat, as much as he kind of caught mm-hmm. a lot of flack from us, he was our most effective yeah. pass rusher last year, right? So I think Kerrigan goes to the second unit with mm-hmm. Ryan Anderson, and then, you know, they bring what they bring off the table, which is I think both those guys are really good at creating turnovers. I think, you know, Ryan Anderson showed a lot of that knack. Kerrigan throughout his career has been pretty good about creating fumbles um, and stuff mm-hmm. like that on his pass rushes. So I think. I think that's kind of what the rotation is. It's Young and Sweat up front. And then you have Kerrigan and Anderson and Brantley. Um, and then there's another guy there, too, that I'm not thinking of. But Maybe you have those guys mix in. Um, yeah. I mean, what what is he, though? I don't know. He's he tiny. Good, he's 250. Yeah. He's listed as a DN. Yeah. When I say what is he, I mean, what is in yeah. terms of contributions? What is he really going to be? I mean, was last year kind of like a – you know, trying to prove himself year, and then now that he's a full time player. Is that going to be the same? I don't, I don't see that production keeping up at that same rate. But not, not um, if he gets a significant so, number of snaps. But I think t- that he's a guy who, if he comes in right. fresh, can do things in spot moments, which means that you, if you were to leave him in there as a starter for sixteen games, you're not going to get that production. But having him just kind of come in, maybe change pace up a little bit because he's got those real twitch moves. That you know, they're kind of rare. What he has now, because of his size, he would get worn down over the course of the season. But in spot moments, I think that you know, he could he could contribute. But but who are you taking off the field to put him on? I'd have packages. You know what I'm saying I wouldn't I wouldn't so, take him off the field for long stretches. Of, or I wouldn't put him on the field for long stretches of time. But just you know, to give a, give somebody else a few minutes, you know, a few you know, a few minutes of of Real time, not game time. Off the field, you can put him in, and you know, especially in situations, and go for it. I, I, don't, I don't know how. I'd have to give him a four three to see if maybe you could you know, have him okay. just you know spot Anderson or something. It, here's the other thing too. I think Ryan Anderson starts strong side linebacker. I like Ryan Anderson. I, you I think I'll so? be the minority, but I like I like Ryan Anderson. <laughs> 
You think he yeah. starts as strong side linebacker? So, but, like, oh, but, okay. listen, so we have on the, on the roster right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten linebackers listed. Ryan Anderson, John Bostic, Thomas Davis, who they brought in. He's a veteran, so I, I think he's just there. In the middle? Starting. Starting. He's starting. With Bostic, I think Bostic's going to start. And I think SDH or Coleman are going to start. I don't, Cole, yeah, no, I'm saying, you know, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, Holcomb, Harvey Holcomb, Clemens, Cole Holcomb, Holcomb, Kaliki Hudson, Jared Norris, Kevin Pierre Lewis, and I don't know. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, so you, it's all you lost. You lost slots. So I think that number is going to dwindle down. Who's who's going to be the captain of the offense in the middle? Yeah. And where's Reuben Foster going to play? Man, I forgot about Reuben Foster too. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> oh shit, dude. <laughs> I'm smiling. Do we actually have fucking I, depth? Is and this that's why happening? I can't see. I mean, look, I like Ryan. Anderson. I'm wow. a big Ryan Anderson fan. I just don't see where he fits in that starting rotation because you just named like if Foster's healthy, how is Foster not starting? You, you got right? to look at position wise. Um, of all the linebackers we have, Anderson's the most natural strong side four three backer. When, where does Ruben Foster naturally play? I didn't follow him before on the 49ers, but was Ooh, he was on the like outside? I, I don't know where he, you know. It, it's, it was a 3-4 inside backer. Yeah. I think he was a middle backer. But if it's not him, I think yep. it's probably Cole Holcomb in the middle. I mean, it would only be one in 4-3, so someone's got to run the run the defense. And Cole Holcomb did it last year, right? Didn't he do it last year? No, Bostic did. Bostic did? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think, and Bostic will again this year, I think. Like, so – Bostic, I think they re-signed him to start and to kind of do what he does. I don't, you know what I mean? I think they like what he can do um, in terms of run support and things like that. I, I just, as much as I like Anderson, I just don't know where he fits because I think you got Bostic, I think you got Foster. And I, I hear you about fit. Like, I, I'm with you 100% on that. I just think that, you know, they like the the speed and flexibility of Holcomb. Um, and I think they like the intelligence of SDH. Um, and, and honestly, that's those, my battle to none watch. None of those guys, those I think, fit, fit the strong side well. All those guys are middle and, and weak side to me. Maybe. Maybe. Weak side. What was Thomas Davis with the Panthers? He was weak side. Did and, they and, uh, run a 4-3 or 3-4? Okay. okay. Hmm. And then other position battles, you know, I, I think wide receiver is going to be one just because there's so many of them. And I mean, clear, clearly, Terry Terry's got it right. He's he's going to be number one, but number two, yeah. I don't. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like it's it's hard to say, right? Do you have two small guys as your number one and number two? You got to have someone tall up there, right? <laughs> No, 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 no. Number number two, number two is going to be Gandy Gold, and it's going to be Harmon. I think it's going to be Gandy Gold. I think Harmon's their their fourth guy. Small. Sim is going to be Golden six four, two twenty three. Yeah, he's he's going to be your other starter, and Sim's going to be in the slot. How tall is How tall is Terry McLaurin? Yeah, he's Uh, six six foot, foot, listed two ten. Okay. I feel like he plays bigger than six foot. Though. I mean, he always, I was for some reason I always thought six two because of the way he played. Yeah. Sims is six five. Yeah. Cam Sims is six five. Steven Sims is five ten. He's like Deshaun Jackson. 
Yeah. Only at 176, though. He's a little dude. But if he gets his hands on the ball, I'm telling you, I think Sims is going gonna, is gonna to be good. Steven Sims. Yeah, I, I had big, big, big hopes for Cam Sims. But he ain't making it so interesting. You don't think so? <laughs> yeah, nah. Everybody nah. did. No, I mean because he was a killer. 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 He was a kill
Yeah, I mean, I know they they touted him for Brian his verbal, verbal leadership his first year, and it got even better the second year. Basically, just calling everybody out, laziness, and mm-hmm. and it's that whole. Uh, like I would like Thomas Davis, but I also wouldn't like Thomas I mean, Davis because I kind of would like yeah. to see the youth movement take over more than the old dude. There's nothing against Davis at all. I think he's going to be a good player for us. Um, sort of like London Fletcher was, but I'm not sure if I really yeah, want him coming should. in again to cover the seed. Now, AD is a little bit yeah. different because he was with us the past two seasons and at least well, performed, knows, if you know, right, he well beyond his fucking so. pay grade. Um, I, doubt it. I doubt it, though. Well, hopefully, hopefully, Davis is easier to spell than Fletcher. Hey, I'll take it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, I think we uh we got that down. So we'll close out the podcast with Dwayne's new look. So uh, obviously we've all been looking at the Instagram, the Twitter feed, whatever. Um, they're saying that Haskins lost about fifteen pounds, uh, put on some muscle, and then we can kind of segue into Chris Sims' ranking of the top forty quarterbacks and putting Dwayne at thirty nine. Um, so obviously that puts him behind several backup quarterbacks as well. So how do you guys feel about Dwayne's new look? And is that going to translate? I think it onto will. It just shows. Look what he's doing. He's disciplined, right? That's the first September. step. It, it shows that he's doing something. Right? I'm sure a lot of these other guys. Correct. They're just sitting around. I mean, they critique, you know, criticize him for without having a baby direct face coaching. And yep. Flab, and he was still surprisingly mobile last year. So with that extra fat down and he's probably more muscular i think it's just going to make him better stepping up in the pocket moving his shuffle you know all those things that you can coach into him you can't coach raw athleticism you just can't so i'm I'm happy to see i was ecstatic when i saw that picture i'm like man he's putting in work so i think it'll i i think it will translate that's just me though it's a (laughs) so no, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke, right? When you see he put Tua right behind, someone else talk or right behind um, Dwayne Haskins, and then he put um, uh, – who was the other uh, – uh, Justin Herbert ahead of Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, no. It, Kyle. Uh, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's contradictory too because he'll he'll say that hey he's making really good strides. Yeah, he, the bottom of the barrel. I really thought he was pulling for the Redskins, right? So I don't know. No, it's yeah, he's still my Yeah, I hate that whole family. <laughs> I know Phil's got some Phil Sims. I hope hate. they burn the <laughs> Haskins is a lightning rod. <laughs> <laughs> He, he generates clicks. Information about Dwayne Haskins generates clicks everywhere. ESPN comes out and says something about him. Dan Orlovsky comes out and says something about him. He's a lightning rod. I, I think and Phil Sims needed yeah. something to put juice yep. into his ranking, and he said, here's a guy that can do that for me. I think he knows, and he said this, and I think we talked about this um, maybe in the uh, Facebook group, but Sims was very, 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 very high on Haskins coming out of college, and there's no way – to me, that anybody was high on Haskins coming out of college um, based on film breakdown could look at the situation Haskins was in last year 
see the improvement that he makes and say he's number 40. Yeah. Listen to it, what it he said. This is what his tweet really said. It, it makes no sense about his ranking. I really don't know how to sum up his rookie season. Some nice moments and throws that make you see why he was a first-round pick. Others where you shake your head and realize just how raw of a talent he is. Big question about how his new staff will embrace him. Like, that does not describe someone who's at the bottom of your list. It, it, it doesn't. So, right. let, me, yes. let, let me hit the first topic first. Okay. The first part of this yes. topic was Dwayne's new look. I'm not as surprised as some because I noticed it last season. When he came out in the preseason, I looked at him and I said, damn, he looks in better shape than when he was at Ohio State. Ohio State, he always said, like, I don't know, maybe it was because, maybe it was the jersey. I don't know. He looked like he had just like a little bit of a of a pudge, like a little softness in the middle. A pooch. A little pooch. <laughs> no. Nah. No, nah, we're not going to go that far. But just, just, just a, dad bod. That college beer belly that you developed. Um, <laughs> you know, <just laughs> too many nights out on the quad, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, I saw him. I said, damn, I was like, he looks like he's gotten in better shape. And then I saw him moving around the pocket and scrambling a few times. I said, damn, he looks faster than he was in college. Like, he looks more mobile. This, yeah. So. And then it turns out that he had dropped 11 pounds from when he left college to when he started the season last year. That was a knock on him. His lack of mobility was yeah. a knock on him. And I think um, I think he took that to heart. And see, that when I, that was the first thing that really turned me after seeing him in camp, which is in camp, too. I noticed, like, he looks kind of lean, but, you know, I was like, you can only see from so close. When you see that, when I saw him up close on TV, I said, "Yeah, this dude's leaner. He he's 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 putting in work." And that was what really told me because I was not high on Haskins coming out of the draft. I, I I just didn't I I just wasn't as high on him as I was some other quarterbacks. But that's the first thing that really turned me around that and the fact that he would put drive into his throws, which is just something we weren't used to seeing. And to hear that he's continued this effort to improve his physical shape and, you know, along with everything we're hearing about the mental game, picking up your progressions, it's just like you can't not love this kid and love the dedication he's putting in. Um, I occasionally hate what he puts on, you know, when he, when he starts petitioning for players on social media. Uh, <laughs> AB. AB. Yeah, we do, that would not fit in Rivera's uh, new culture. But anyway, um, but that's he's a kid. You, you put everything on Instagram anymore. But <laughs> I, I I love seeing that progression, that effort, that dedication to him as an athlete and him as as a quarterback. Now, getting to Chris Sims is bum ass. First of all, Chris Sims, you you, you just you're just mad. Mad, 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 mad because we knocked you out of the playoffs. And, you know, we would have had an even better record in 05 if they hadn't given all stop that bum-ass touchdown. Um, anyway, I will, Chris Sims' ranking of Haskins is not indicative of how he feels about Haskins. It is indicative about how he feels about the franchise because he had such high aspirations for Haskins coming out of the draft and as a top five pick. As soon as he goes to the Redskins, something he's 39 out of 40. 
that it simply yeah. because Sim, yep. and, and anytime I've ever listened to Sims do analysis on the Redskins, he's just taking a big old dump on the franchise. Now, granted, not like this franchise has done too much to warrant otherwise in recent times, but the way he does it, it's just like out and out like negativity. They're awful. They're never going anywhere. Blah 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 blah. blah. And I think he gets that from his father because his father does the exact same thing. This I mean, would you rank, would you rank franchise rank? nonstop? Um, then again, Phil Sims is also the one who refuses to say Redskins anymore. So fuck him. Um, I just. I got no love for anybody in that family. I think Phil Sims was an overrated quarterback. I think Chris Sims was 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 never really a solid NFL starter. So f them both. Their opinions are irrelevant to me. I mean, well, that's 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 where I was going. I'm like, there's, didn't, could, didn't take a snap last year. And he's thirty five. Stidham is thirty five with this ranking. This is why I have issues. But I was going to ask you guys: Would you put Dwayne ahead of Jared Stidham? Would you put Dwayne ahead yes. of Mitch Trubisky? Would you put Dwayne ahead of um, Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill shouldn't even be on this list. Yeah, he has potential, but he shouldn't. Even, he's a he's a wild card. He's an ace. He's a slash. He doesn't play. He shouldn't even be on this list. Yes, yes, um, yes. yeah. Tyrod Taylor, Jameis Winston, absolutely. I think those two should probably be higher, especially Jameis Winston. But Case Keenum at 32, really? Dwayne replaced him. So, yeah. Nick Foles at 31. Uh, I mean, it. the rest wow. of the list isn't bad. You could shuffle those people around. You know, Andy Dalton at 27, Fitzpatrick 28, Bridgewater 29. He should probably be higher. Minshew at 30. I mean, Nick Foles at 31, but the Case Keenum at 32 and everyone below that, like it, yeah, not so much. That is such a trash list. That's, that's, and if what he, you know what, the ranking of Case Keenum that much higher than Haskins, another case. Oh, he left Washington. He's better than Dwayne. That, that's all it is. It's a blatant. And I hate being that guy that says, you know, talks about blatant bias against the Redskins. But that that one's so obvious. So obvious. And, and you know, that's fine. I mean, for him to go out of his way to, to bash his team means we're living rent-free in his mind. So cool. Mm-mm. I'm being nice. Right? I'm, I'm being Ellie. Looks like you dropped, but uh, yeah, dropped. I'm being nice. Let's put Still it there. Way. I could have a lot worse to say about those two. Yeah, I mean, I could live with it. For me, thirty-nine out of forty. Yeah, it sucks. I think. I think Phil, you're on it with uh, it being more of a. Uh, organizational ranking vice a player ranking it is still concerning when you see that some of the names ahead of him but i'm cool with it man you know what hopefully it puts a chip on the shoulder he's fairly active on social media he's not as active as the rg3 was um but he's active um you know he he sees he notices he he uh he blocks he does what he needs to do i'm cool with that um fuck it man put that chip on your shoulder get lean 
dig into the playbook, become a natural leader, and just be ready to rock come September, man. I think uh, more than any preseason ranking, that's all I want to see. I want to see good football. I want to, once yeah. again, as a fan, have excitement going into the first week of November and the first week of December. Like, we had that in 2012. We had it in 2015, maybe 2007, 99. Like, but it's been too far and few in between where we've had excitement throughout an entire NFL season. If Ellie's prediction comes true and we go nine and seven, that things that that means that yeah we will have meaningful football in November and December. If our predictions come true and we're six and ten, maybe not so much. Um, but you know, it's early. It's June fifth. Still have a lot of time. Uh, we have to return to some sort of normal as a world um, with the COVID nineteen and everything else that's going on. But uh. Yeah, we'll see. No, we'll I'm good. Go Happy to be here. Any, uh, it's exciting. We'll try to keep these a little shorter next time. You guys? <laughs> so much to talk about. We've had an whole old season to cover, but uh, uh, what I'll say is that, <laughs> yeah, for Rodney, sure. you're talking about coming back to a sense of normalcy. This discussion, the fact that we're having this discussion, gives, I think, will give a lot of people a sense of normalcy because we're talking about something that's now gone from a pipe dream. It's, it's months away. We're so uncertain to with everything else starting to open up and everything. Now it just seems like not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And, um, you know, hopefully taking that kind of attitude going forward gives everybody a little more of a, just a sense of we're getting closer to, to something resembling normal again. Oh, I hear that, man. Well, thanks, guys. We did it. We made it through the first podcast. We had two dudes drop off. It sucks, but clap it up. Clap it up. Uh, we'll go back. We'll review the tape, listen to the quality, and uh, hopefully it turns out well. But uh, appreciate you guys for making this happen. Uh, we've been talking about for a long time. Finally cool. got the damn anchor account. And, yeah, we're, we're one of one. Peace and hail. Matt and a thousand. Let's get some listens. All right, fellas, take care, man. I'll see you in the chat. Peace and hail to the Redskins.